like my students, I try to be supportive, but yet we don't have that standard for ourselves. So I just thought it was neat that you you have been referring uh, to yourself in that third person. Is that something consciously you've been doing or is just... <laughs> Yeah, thank you for noticing that. It's it's awesome. I'm actually talking to the inner child of Judy, who grew up always thinking I have to just be better, better. So now I'm. It's an adult Judy talking to the inner child and telling myself that you're gonna be okay. When you're criticizing yourself, would you ever talk to your best friend like that or somebody you love when they're down, when they're doubting themselves? You wouldn't be like. Oh, yeah, that was that was so bad. That was not good. Yeah. You'll probably be like, no, you were amazing and you did it's your okay. best. It's okay. Yeah. And just try it next time you did your best and it is good enough. So I always want to talk to myself like I'm my, myself's best friend. And, and yeah, that's uh, honestly really built on my self-confidence and value and how I see the world and how I'm going to step out to the world, this new world post pandemic. And um, Mm. I feel like it's going to allow me to create better music, more soulful, more coming from the heart and more kindness. So hopefully that will be able to help all the people, music industry or not in the world. We just got to go out there and be kind to ourselves and others. Welcome everybody to the Faking Faking Notes. Notes. We back. We're back. I am so excited for this conversation, y'all. Uh, we have on the show today Judy Kang. Okay, this is another badass lady that we're bringing on the podcast. We've we've had a theme of powerful women in the music industry. We're happy to make another edition. Uh, she is the first musician to graduate from USC with a double major in music, in cello, and piano performance. She is a remote recording genius. She actually recorded for the Biden inauguration remotely over the the Panny D. She's a resident cellist for Celine Dion. She's played with Earth, Wind & Fire, Stevie Wonder, Andre Bocelli, uh, Miley Cyrus, Misha Maisky, Lynn Harrell, and many, many more. We just don't have time to list everybody. And uh, you'll see very soon why she is just a bad mamma jamma. (laughs) yeah when you look at all the people she's played with you recognize every name and you just keep you have to scroll you have to like scroll (laughs) like that's how many people she's played with but we have an awesome conversation with her she's just wonderful and very open and she's been in this business for a while to have worked with all these people to be a resident artist with celine dion and her group in vegas and so she we talk about the hardships of having to travel back and forth how to how makes make sacrifices and what that's like and what goes into that decision making process finances dealing with your mental game we spend a lot of time she spends a lot of time talking about her transformation throughout this pandemic and then really thinking about self-love and how to talk to yourself and how to grow habits and improve yourself beyond just the cello beyond just the career and that's something we can all think about and something you'll definitely resonate with as we go through this she really is one of us one of the faking fam and we're so happy to have her on today before we get into the episode remember to subscribe if you want to have a neat little upload in your podcast of choice every week and leave us a review we have run out of reviews come on we want to read another one bring it drop it five stars we would love that 
If you want to talk with us in between the episodes, as always, join us on our Discord. We're having movie nights. We're having conversations. It's really grown, and we love all of our Discord members. Speaking of which, two of those Discord members have now joined our Patreon. The Patreon is a direct way to support us with your money. And we want to give a specific shout-out to mm-hmm. our new faker, Travis Springer, and our new undertaker, Aunt Shay. So thanks again for you two for joining us. We want to see everyone else in on the Discord, in on the Patreon. But without further ado, let's welcome our next guest, Judy Kang. Judy Kang. Judy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming through and clearly drinking vodka. Just <laughs> yeah. Do it. For those listening in and can't see the video, it's Coffee. definitely a chalice. Yeah, a chalice of vodka. <laughs> it's it's jewel encrusted, yeah. and it is made of uh, just the finest platinum mined from the Congo. But yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thanks for coming through. It's been so fun learning about you. I've heard so many great things, and it seems like you've performed in in groups with pretty much everyone it seems like you've recorded for everyone and it's insane like the list of nouns <laughs> of just how proper much nouns. you've done yeah, yeah. proper <laughs> nouns all the nouns Ad- the adjectives are great but like these nouns ho- holy cow like they're they're incredible but first off one of the things i wanted to open with is we were watching some of your previous interviews and you told a really interesting story uh, about auditioning for the celine dion and how it involved your birthday celebration. Could you start us off with that that life? That's a good question. Yeah, so it was, I was about to turn 27 and all of my good friends were like, let's go to Big Bear. It was going to be my 27th birthday. And then the day before, all my friends are already there and I get a call from the music director of Celine Dion and... They were like, we heard about you from your teacher at USC. He highly recommended you. And we would like to meet you. Can you come in tomorrow at 12 p.m.? Which is, this is like literally the night before. And I said, oh my gosh, I guess I'll have to drive to Vegas. And it's a once in a lifetime experience. So I got to just go. And so I took my cello, got there at 3 a.m., checked into oh this my <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then even i didn't know where to stay i just literally drove into vegas and was like i'm just gonna find a place to sleep and yeah and the hotel was <laughs> honestly something that you can find probably in house of eyes or something i don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad like a girl that like i was 27 i just graduated from usc Mm-hmm. And I literally was so scared and found a hair in the sink. And No. Yeah, it was that bad. But I then, that hair was so symbolizing of the whole success I have because I literally saw the hair and I <laughs> looked myself in the mirror and I said to myself, Judy Kang, you're going to get this audition. So you'll never, ever have to stay in this hotel or any hotel with hair in the sink ever again in your life. <laughs> what I they love say? That. What, what they- happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and so apparently hair stays in Vegas. So exactly. Yeah, and I went in and did the audition. At the time, they had some solos. I had to do with the other cellists. It's a Michael Jackson medley, so I had to just go in. They, they, all the music director and everything, and then they even recorded on camera for Celine. 
to see from, I think, her house later. And um, on my way back to Big Bear to celebrate my actual birthday, I got the phone call from the music directors and they were like, you're my, you're our first choice. And uh, I celebrated my 27th birthday in Big Bear with the biggest news of my life. Yep. That's it. <laughs> oh my God. So they had to start the party without you. Right? They did. That- they were kind of mad at me actually. So I had to get the audition. <laughs> I was like, guys, I'm sorry. I have to ditch you <laughs> for a little bit. And then I went back with the well, biggest. I'll be back. There's no bigger flex than showing up late to your own birthday party. Yeah, right. <laughs> or Celine Dion too, you know. So yeah, it's like, oh, I, I had to audition for Celine Dion. You, you'll my forget, birthday party right? will go on. Is that the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. What a wild, wild experience. Yeah. And to know how much you've done since then, but let's let's focus in on this. Let's let's dig in because that's not an easy decision. We're sitting there teetering, ugh, you know, I got my friends, I've got these things. Am I choosing my my life or relationships over these opportunities? Absolutely. But you rolled the dice and I'm kind of looks from the from the outside like it paid off. <laughs> yeah, at the moment you're like, oh my gosh, I hope I hope it all works out. <laughs> yeah. I'm so grateful for my friends. Was there anything significant you had to give up? to accept this because this is something that's not really talked about in our lifestyle like when when you're a musician and you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to build this career to get the gains you have to definitely make sacrifices was there anything significant that you had to like maybe postpone or leave absolutely i feel like there were some gigs and engagements that i had to you know that's just the the life of a gig musician. I feel like personal life and like the people in lo- your your lives are have to be so understanding. You can literally have weekend plans or something like right now, and you have to just be like, "I'm so sorry, I have to go and get that opportunity." And friendships sometimes it could be it could be hard. It could be hard to maintain in families, you know. Do you have any like tips for people? Do you have a special like process in how you communicate with people or do you have any tips or tricks that you could share? It's something that I'm still still trying to learn and improve every day. Yeah. Especially being an, an a woman too now to thirty four. This was seven years, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about having a family, the timeline of it and talking about it with my significant other. And you're like, if I'm going to have a kid, like what is going to happen on the weekends and on, on nights? Because gigs usually happens at night and weekends. And at any notice you can get, you just got to go and be ready. People got to love you a lot. Wow. It's so true though. Like we, we, we don't talk about it enough. It's always grind, 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 gig, gig, gigs. But we know the, the the sacrifice and the difficulties of that. Absolutely, what, it, we're always adding onto the plate, but we don't really talk about what ha- what gets left off of the plate. What can't we exactly juggle? And I think for all of us on this call, like now that we've been in the industry for a couple years, and we start thinking about that. Wait a minute, it's family time. Maybe there's there's more to it than this. But how do you find that balance? I don't know. It's difficult. At least recently, like we had Leah Zeger on here. And oh, she's wow. making it work, but she, she's, of course, a delight. But similar, like gigging musician, going around, doing the grind, doing the hustle. And then she's talked about the positive impact 
mother of, of raising too. of having a family and motherhood and like how mm. that's optimized some things. And of course, there's difficulties because they, they, it's a huge time commitment, like a thirty to forty year time commitment. So <laughs> <laughs> to have a family, 30. depending on depending on how that kid pops out, that's that's definitely a lifetime commitment. <laughs> uh, maybe they hang around a little too long, myself yeah. included. But yeah, it is it is nice to actually talk about these things that kind of gets left off of the radar for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. To add to that, when I was in Vegas, sometimes because I have a wedding or a family engagement, I would literally jump into my car from Vegas after the Celine show at 1130 PM and just drive and just ripple after ripple just to make it back by the next morning, just to be present. That's something that we all had to do. I literally had to sleep on the side of the freeway just because I could not open my eyes. But that's how much sacrifice sometimes I I can do. You know, you do your best to just show up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. And that's actually really admirable. First of all, that you will take the responsibility to pull over and sleep. But it's the dedication. (laughs) There's so many people that be like, I'm tired. I don't want to drive from Las Vegas to LA. Yeah. But it was like a non-option for you. So maybe that's part of the ingredient too, is like doing everything you can to make that time, right? Yeah. The drive and the, I will do anything to make it. And I was 27 and now I'm I'm like, I I don't know if I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) It hurts everywhere. That's now that's another priority. Self-love. So that's. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can you share some things that you've learned? Did, was that a realization you had over the pandemic or? Yeah. Coming from that, the 27 year old of me that wants to be everywhere and have major FOMO and just wanted to. Be everywhere at the same time. Sometimes I wish I had a twin and I was just really exhaust myself driving back and forth within a day sometimes to even to make it to a session. And now like I basically went nonstop for eight years just trying to be present. But during the pandemic and all of a sudden all of the things were taken away from me. Then I started to feel like what am I without cello? What am I without running around all the time? Who am I? What is, does Judy Kang like? And what does Judy Kang like to do when she has free time? Basically, I never had free time. What's free time? What's, yeah. what's free time? Let's Google, and, let me Google that real quick. Let's yeah, Google. like this. <laughs> what's weekends? <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, yeah, it's just, yeah. And honestly, it was it was a very hard probably the hardest lesson I've had to learn during the pandemic. And um, like probably many other musicians would agree with me that we all had to go through a very self-realizing time. It definitely transformed me. Priorities are different. Come to any like revelations. Did you discover any new hobbies or gain any new skills or any new perspectives on who you are? Yeah. I've had to learn how to cook. First of all, by myself. Yeah, and I guess I, I've, I've always learnt, lived in hotels and those things were provided and you take it for granted. And now it's, oh my gosh, what am I going to eat today? Yeah. What do I like to eat? <laughs> you know? What do I want to prepare and to uh, put in my body? That's also important. At first I'm like, okay, whatever is there, I'll just eat. And um, doing yoga every morning, meditate. Because oh. sometimes I wake up and I don't even think about myself. I just run and just go out because I have places to be 
now I have the whole entire day and I'm like, I like to read a book on yoga. Um, and what do I like to do in the afternoon? Go to the park and just walk. Oh, that's crazy. I've never done that before. It's nice. Wow. You get to enjoy your time. Yeah. Definitely. That's something we've seen with a lot of the guests we've spoken to, of course, over the past year and a half now, or however long this has been going on, <laughs> is that discovery moment. It's, of course, a big accelerant. I'm not sure how long, at least for me or a lot of these guests, how much longer it would have taken for us to realize that without this huge, huge earth-shattering event to sit back and be like, wait a minute, there is more to me than my career or that next gig and what do i like because it is such a weird thing we've been Absolutely. doing we've been singularly focused yeah for so many years a significant portion of our life and then it's just you can't do that anymore yeah. but what do i do what am i interested in it's yeah. fascinating and on top of that sometimes i feel like musicians or any performer we get our encouragement from we always have spotlights we always have audience applying for you and without that, all of a sudden, nobody's plotting for me. Nobody's telling me I did a good job. I'm sitting World at home. I'm like, <laughs> got you. Yeah. Got you. But then you realize you got to be your own cheerleader. Yeah. You got to tell yourself it's okay. And you're doing great. And that's something I've, I think the biggest lesson I've learned that telling myself that you're okay. You're great. Judy King. <laughs> thank you, you for saying that no for real judy thank you for saying because first of all i feel a little validated because I, I i've if i'm not saying nice things about my say, myself i'm saying mean things about myself and when i say mean things about myself i lose motivation Lovely. just the other day yesterday i was on a run at sunset and i decided for some reason even though my legs were burning i was like i'm gonna go another quarter mile. I don't need to, but I want to see if I can do it. Right. And the whole time my body was telling me, no, no, no. And I just kept telling myself like out loud, Drew, you're okay. This is fine. You're okay. You got this. And that's such a muscle. I forgot I had a skill that I had, but it's so essential. Like the ability for you to just say, no, you're good. You're okay. You can do it. No, keep going. Yeah. Thank job. you for saying good job. Whoa, <laughs> what a concept, right? Yeah. Tell yourself good job. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you guys, but being a musician, growing up, you just you learn to criticize yourself. You learn to criticize every note, every phrase, every bar. And that's the only way to get better. But then have you experienced telling yourself, great job. That was a great you did your best and that was enough. That was great. <laughs> that's enough that's enough you're enough you're enough yeah. you are enough were there any particular books or <laughs> moments videos something that came to mind that helped solidify this is self-love like this is this is what i need yeah there's so many things i kind of just want to look at all the books that i just read in the past year <laughs> <laughs> oh bring him on girl bring it. Read it too. <laughs> right mm-hmm Breaking the habit of being yourself. That is something mm. that is a good book. Yeah. Being able to, instead of letting your inner child telling you to automatically criticize yourself and telling yourself you're not good enough, can you instead of making a right turn, 
you consciously make a left turn, telling yourself, hey, today I'm going to do it differently. Today I'm going to think, you're good enough. You can take a break. There's free time. And that was good. And stuff like that is very, very new and transforming to me. And therapy, of course. Yeah. 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 That's something I need to do. I'm we've been reading forward to it. Yeah, reading all these books and like another thing too is just with so many of our guests, they're mentioning therapy, they're mentioning these books as like part of their transformation or just building these little habits of self-love or overcoming resistance. That's the big one I've been focusing on. And a big part of that was like, it's like Trevor, you gotta you gotta also read. And I was like, get back into reading. And so I've been doing it hopping around all these books. One is of course The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Another one is about the Stoics. It's the obstacle is the way. And then there's the tools. And But all these books, at least for me, are dealing with this thing. And it's like really how to, how to communicate with yourself and like how to overcome the resistance or the, the shadow or the ego is the enemy. All, like, all these different things. And I've just spent so much of my life avoiding talking to myself and avoiding the things that are hard. It just seems more and more obvious, like Drew talking about running that extra mile or me resisting going back to work immediately and embracing a specific moment. And in fact, like charging towards boredom or self-love. It's like I was resisting loving myself. And that's what I needed to, to focus on. And so many of our guests are coming in no matter where, if they're just starting off their career or they're, they're kicking ass like you. And even, even Anthony McGill. He comes on here. He's done all this awesome stuff. Principal Clarence, New York Phil, plays for our inaugurations. The first 40 minutes, we never even like talk about music. We're talking about like meditation and spiders and other random stuff. He's spending so much time with the therapy and thinking about his mind and how to understand himself. We're all doing it and it's, we're all better for it. So it's, it's wonderful that you yourself have been able to go through this and have been successful on this journey. To loving yourself thank you yeah i feel like if letting yourself taking breaks telling yourself it's okay to take breaks will allow you to walk longer or run longer and do better that's that's what i've learned so makes me different mm -hmm. if we're ever gonna go back to touring or gigging i think i'm gonna be a very different person with a different mindset What's so funny I, I had the opportunity over the pandemic to connect with players like chelsea green He's like the head of string faculty at Berkeley College of Music and yeah. wonderful composer and performer. Kev Marcus of Black Violin and Kermaine Booker, recording artist down in Nashville. I love Kermaine. One of my favorite humans. Oh, absolutely. I just, I, I got to talk to them in Clubhouse and one of the things they would always talk about is when you are, you have finite energy. And I used to think that hustling and feeling my day was the only way to really make more money. but your energy is finite and your effort and your time is finite. But if you want to make more money, you have to raise your prices. You have to raise your self-worth. And I was wondering, have you ever had any conversations with yourself? Like recently, I was like, I said I was never going to do weddings again. But. <laughs> but. But. Because we have this free time. Oh, absolutely. I may reconsider. Was have you had any conversations with yourself? Like, I'm only going to do weddings for five thousand dollars now, <laughs> right? Do you because like I don't I I'm record remote recording and we want to get into that later. But have you like had these like conversations about finances and mitigating your time and things like that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Now you're telling yourself my time is more valuable, and I only want to say yes to the things that makes me happy. And <laughs> that's a balancing act, of course. You're telling yourself, and recently things are coming back. The world is coming back safely, hopefully slowly. <laughs> and yeah. and when people ask you about weddings, you're like, oh my god, I have free time. I want to do it. I want to make that two hundred, three hundred dollars. And you're like, exactly. Oh my gosh, you have to drive to. Malibu for oh my god! I drove to Santa Barbara and back in a day. Oh my! I think Blah. I did the same as the last weekend. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was the last weekend. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh my god! I, what a miserable the traffic drive. was insane. It was insane because the whole entire all the musicians were Labor going Day there. weekend. Yes. Labor Day weekend. Oh my! So I got to make four hours to go there. And yeah, was, exactly. Yeah, four hours, and we didn't finish until twelve a.m. And I had to drive back. It was. The whole entire drive back, you're like, oh my gosh. Did Why did I do Why? this? <laughs> Why did Why? I do this? <laughs> I feel like our cars are probably next to each other. We're all just like. Yeah, I was probably tailgating you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that was no you. marriage is worth this. That was me, the, the, the high beams. Yeah, that was you. That was, that was me. My bad. <laughs> that was me too. License plate, look. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, but it's real. It's real. Moving back into things opening up, have you come up with some new perspectives? Personally, I went on a whole journey of learning about money and finance, and I was wondering if you picked up any in in the space and time that we had. Did you come up with any new insights on how you would show up in this new economy and the industry, maybe a little differently? Good question. Can you share a little bit of what you have learned? For sure. So basically, I have found that money is infinite and abundant, and it's not a scarce resource. There's a really good book. If you want to get your noodle bait on some modern, modern monetary theory, there's a book called The Deficit Myth by an economist uh, named Stephanie Kelton. And she worked on Capitol Hill in the Budget Judiciary Committee. And essentially, what I learned is that whenever the federal government prints money uh, for social programs, that money goes into the pockets of people like you and me and allows us to facilitate our lives in a positive manner. And when you think about what happens when you do obtain money in your life. You are exchanging your time and your talents and your skills for money. So I realized if people aren't willing to pay me money for my time or for my skills, I need to build more skills. And that was like the biggest unlock for me because I realized like as it stood graduating from my master's degree, I could only play music objectively if you gave me a sheet of music. Yeah. I couldn't go to a recording studio and like improvise. Improv. I couldn't go to a, mm -hmm. I couldn't arrange. I couldn't, at the time, I couldn't shoot video or photography for another artist. I had limited skills Absolutely. and those skills were only time for money. So I spent the time trying to build more skills that allowed me to be paid more for my efficiency and to have a, a, a vast array of different skills, yeah. one of them being UI UX development for companies and things like that, and 
better content generation for for companies. So that I realized if I wanted more money, I had to build more skills because money is just a construct and it is something that is abundant. That's what I learned. Was there anything <laughs> that you kind of like discovered? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was, that was awesome. I, <laughs> being, I, I had just bought my house, my condo two years ago and congratulations. Wow. Thank you. I didn't know that. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah. They say that musicians, it's, it's hard for us to, to be able to own a house credit wise and everything else. So at the time I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I need to work so hard and never say no to anything. And then also have tenants and especially when mm-hmm. I'm not here. So mm-hmm. that was my idea of how to maintain my condo. And mm-hmm. during the pandemic, of course, I don't have a job anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and then some of my tenants had to leave because some of them went to USC and USC was pausing for the whole semester. Yeah. So mm-hmm. My tenant was from mm-hmm. Taiwan, so she had to go back to Taiwan. So mm-hmm. overnight, I basically lost all of my tenants and I was starting to freak out. How am I? I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to uh-huh. not be able to pay and maintain my, I'm going to be homeless. And that's when, <laughs> you know, that it's critis- real. It's real. critical voice. And you're just thinking uh-huh. about the, the worst scenarios. And then uh-huh. I was like, Judy, can you cannot let this happen? And so I, I like started thinking about what skills I would have. And I then, of course, turned one of my rooms that was used to rent out to tenants into a remote studio. Really? Yeah. And uh, I bought all new equipment, new microphones, speakers, and recording desk. And I said to myself, hey, you know what? You have these skills. Why not just see if remote session was the new thing to become report for people and not during the pandemic and be safe about it. And ever since then, I've created a new business and was able to provide this new skill and survive, I have to say. Now it's something I totally enjoy. (laughs) I don't want to drive to Malibu. (laughs) I just want to record from my own room in my pajamas. (laughs) It's in your pajamas, right? Yeah. Can you you describe a little bit? Because this was actually on our and, and Trevor, do you actually want to do the honors? Cause like we, this is one of our questions that we wanted to ask you. It was a, it was a very effective segue that we've now called out. Oh, you're oh. crazy. You're Recording. That was no, no, it, we wanted to, we wanted to focus in on your ability to, to self record and work with all of these artists because a lot of people who maybe didn't necessarily have the skills before the pandemic, you had to scramble and figure this out and learn it. And it seems like you were ahead of the game and now you've got a studio and you've been able to, to, to thrive doing this. Can you talk a little bit about the process of, of doing remote recording work and just give us a little bit of an overview and then we can dive into specifics as well. Sure, sure. I remember you talked about the clarinetist that recorded for inauguration. And I just wanted mm. to say, I, I also yeah. recorded for the inauguration from my room. <laughs> yeah, Whoa. it was part of the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank it's you awesome. to Lenny. Lenny Wee. But this was something I actually started seven years ago when I was in Vegas and I was living in hotel rooms and feeling like I was so left out from all the recording sessions and everything in town. And I was so lucky that one of the Celine crew member, the drummer for Celine Dion for 25 years, also owns the biggest recording studio in Canada, in Montreal. 
Studio Piccolo is uh, his studio. He owns it, uh, co-owns it with Celine's manager, Denis. So he was the one that actually taught me some of the skills. He said, let's go buy your mic and you can record out of the hotel rooms. At the time, I didn't have any budget. I was just young. So I bought the most simple setup. and But that allowed me to record from the hotel room when I'm not doing shows and I was able to start learning the basics and he was able to teach me some of the most quality ways to record with logic and how to clean your tracks and stems and how to send in the most professional stems and uh, and how to record the angles and everything and I hmm. think with that I'm, I'm forever grateful for Dominique Messier he's a drum, drummer and um, uh, producer for Celine Dion and with those skills I was able to improve them and use them to create my own studios at home during the pandemic and I'm forever grateful so <laughs> yeah can you actually highlight some of those some of the specifics of what did he tell you about recording yourself at least like when it comes to maybe mic placements room treatment because I, I think this is something a lot of our listeners are interested in in doing at least for their own small projects and, and do you think you could share any wisdom yeah. that you've you've gained yeah absolutely obviously with recording from home you're not in a studio that's completely soundproof. So he's taught me being in a hotel room and being in my house where if you record a track, of course, like they're, it's not going to be as perfect. So how do you clean off the track? Fade in mm -hmm. and fade out. How to place your mic to um, a point where it's, you get the best sound of whatever you can provide to provide to present your instrument like cello sometimes i would put it near the bass or having how do you say it the the block in the back of the mic how do you say it muffle the, for the mic so yeah, yeah boom what what is that or like is a shell or like a shell, shell. mic yeah, shell yeah, yeah. exactly and mic how to shell, place yeah. them and it, it's it all varies depends on what kind of room you're in and the curtains that you can end in carpets stuff like that and he he has taught me some of the most best ways to send in the stems, how the composers, they, the reason why they want to hire you is because you make their jobs easier. They don't have to clean up your tracks after they can just literally download your tracks and pop it into their session and they don't have to do much. And I feel like that's the reason why I'll, I'll be asked back. There's a lot of composers that say the stems I sent is equivalent of what they get from a high-end studio. And that's amazing. I'm very organized, and I will mark the tracks very clearly at the stems, what from what measure to what measure, and that's that's all they're looking for. It's not really about they're not looking for the most. Oh wow, East West Studio, yeah. but it's about mm -hmm. making their job easier and just providing the best quality of what allows you to do in your environment during this time. Yeah, as as a composer and a person on the other side of this, I just wanted to say like how important that is when we're running around trying to figure out us composers, we're always asking each other, hey, who's done this before? Not yeah. like, where's where's the best musician? <laughs> who is, who's got a setup and like, has just done this before? Yeah. Because at least in the film world, you're on an insanely tight deadline with a tight budget and you're going crazy and you're freaking out and you have to somehow assemble 12 people in 12 different rooms into this one track before the director changes their mind and then you got to re redo it and so you're just panicking all the time and by just receiving like good cleaned up audio that's just 
well labeled and actually lines up when you just plop it in there is so nice. And that's really what we're going for. Because like what you're saying, you're thinking in their shoes, what are they looking for? They're on a time crunch. They just want it done well so they can plop it in and worry about the other crisis uh, at hand. And so the musicians I go for, they have experience doing it. They, they, they know how to do it on the deadline. They know how to send you the files. And it's just by making their lives easier, that's, that's everything. That is everything. Yes. And, and you've done it. And, you've, and that's why you're getting all of those calls. Another element of this I'm curious about that Drew had alluded to is playing without the music. You're on stage. You're, you're, you're like the tune, but you're, you're adding your soul into it. You're adding the extra spice. You're improvising around. How, how does that fit into your recording and your live live performances to just be able to go on stage, sheet music lists and have fun and add your own spice to things. What's that? I myself like Drew is classically trained. So that was not the strongest suit that something I can offer. So I myself have taken up actually lessons from some of my really good friends in the industry. People like Ginny Luke or all She's amazing. She's amazing. I yeah. Just did a, I just did a recording with her like a couple weeks ago. She's just a lovely human. Absolutely. Yeah. She's so humble and she's always happy to offer any kind of lesson. So just like Drew, I wanted to gain that skill. So I started to take lessons myself and now I'm practicing every day and um, starting to offer the improv side. And I feel like all of us, we're all improving every day. So hopefully one day I'll be like Jenny. It's such a huge thing from the composer side because we're, we're in a rush. Yeah. So we're kind, we might have an idea. We might have something 80% of the way there. Yeah. And so even two years ago, I did a, a Motown thing and I called one of Drew and I's great friends, Jeremy, Jeremy Jones. And so we had him come in and because I was like, oh, I know he can, he doesn't need the sheet music because I didn't have time to write it down. And I'm like, this is Motown, but it's comedy coming here and here's the lyrics and here's the melody, go to town. And so he just like layers all the harmony. I didn't write it down. I didn't have it really thought out. He just sings incredibly. Also, I'm on the deadline. Will you bring your violin, your viola? And so he just comes down and, and lays it down and plays along. And so in three hours, I walk out with all these vocals, all these string parts that I'm just sitting there, you know, humming him things. I'm like, oh, what if we make it make it more exciting here? So <laughs> Yeah. Just speaking to him. And then and we didn't even play the full track. He's just, yeah, just play press record and let me feel it out. And then, oh, we're done. That was better. <laughs> wow. That was way better than any MIDI or something else because he'd just been working on that skill. The ability to just to be able to either work off chords or listen back and come up with something is everything to composers and producers. And particularly somewhere in the pop world where they might not know, they might not have that notation skill or they're still figuring it out and fleshing it out. And if you come in, and you able to add a little bit of spice or like you know play around with the basic chords or whatever it's such an advantage because like you said i didn't learn how to improvise getting my bassoon degree <laughs> that was not part of that was not part of the plan i'm here to play the <laughs> the marriage of figaro and the rite of spring and that's it and i'm not i'm not here to improvise so it's wonderful that you've also realized and you're putting into it and taking it with just as much serious as we would our normal classical traditional training you're taking lessons in it you're practicing it that's that's dedication that's the sauce that's the sauce judy we've been so fortunate 
to speak with some of the busiest freelance musicians in Los Angeles. And you're definitely one of them. And our faking fam audiences is just, we're, they're interested in taking the road less traveled like you and me. Everybody wants to come and freelance in Los Angeles. It's a dream. We are entrepreneurial artists and we love varied and vibrant music careers. So I'm curious, can you share like your top three most important tips for maintaining a freelance uh, career in a competitive city? Can you share that? Very nice. Number one, being easy to work with, being somebody somebody wants to work with, um, just going with the flow, being adaptive, and being able to handle any kind of situation. Just like I said about remote session, you want to make their job easier. Whoever hires you, you want to think in their shoe and see, you want me there? Sure. You want it earlier? Sure. You want it this way? No problem. As long as it's not too overstepping the boundary, you be easy and they'll always want to call you back. Second of all, just like Drew said, keep on improving your skills because LA or any kind of big city is such a competitive. There's always people coming in and out. There's always younger, prettier, better people. But what's better though? Because I feel like everybody has a space. Everybody has your time, your path, and your opportunities. As long as you are ready for your opportunities, it's luck and opportunities. So take your chance and go for it. Number three, I think most important is self-love and being able to tell yourself, hey, this is good and you are enough and go out there and shine and you don't need other people is plus and you don't need other people to tell you you are yourselves but biggest cheerleader yeah and that's thank you that's my three biggest for myself <laughs> right now in my life <laughs> um in this space of my life that's very helpful yeah. i love that yeah speaking of um self-love i just noticed throughout this interview and i, I really really like this is you you refer to yourself in the third person when talking about loving yourself or when you're, when you're trying to be capable of something, Judy Kang, you're, you're going to go out here and do it. And so we've heard it a couple of times, but I've actually heard people talk about that, like strategies, like to have meetings with yourself. I've heard about that for freelancers. And this wasn't even in a music space, but just general, like what happens when you're your own boss, because when you're the, you're the employee and the boss, we just beat each other up. <laughs> and so I find myself, it's like, wow, I'm a terrible, sometimes I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> to myself and sometimes I'm a terrible boss to myself like Absolutely. I wouldn't treat other people like this and they said the strategy was put on your calendar a meeting with yourself like yeah. almost a review and and treating yourself like you would treat others Absolutely you wouldn't we wouldn't beat up I wouldn't beat up someone who's down or beat up someone who wasn't able to, to always deliver or do something like that I'd be nice to them just like my students I'd try to be supportive but yet we don't have that standard for ourselves so I just thought it was neat that you do you have been referring uh to yourself in that third person is that something consciously you've been doing or is just <laughs> yeah thank you for noticing that it's it's awesome i'm actually talking to the inner child of judy who grew up always thinking i have to just be better better so now i'm it's an adult judy talking to the inner child and telling myself that you're going to be okay. When you're criticizing yourself, would you ever talk to your best friend like that or somebody you love? When they're down, when they're doubting themselves, you wouldn't be like, 
oh, yeah, that was that was so bad. That was not good. Yeah. You'll probably be like, no, you were amazing and you did it's your okay. best. It's okay. Yeah. And just try it next time you did your best and it is good enough. So I always want to talk to myself like I'm my, myself's best friend. And, and yeah, that's uh, honestly really built on my self-confidence and value and how I see the world and how I'm going to step out to the world, this new world post pandemic. And um, Mm. I feel like it's going to allow me to create better music, more soulful, more coming from the heart and more kindness. So hopefully Mm. that will be able to help all the people, music industry or not in the world. We just got to go out there and be kind to ourselves and others. Oh yeah. (laughs) I love so much of what you're saying, Judy, because I'm just realizing my mom is a psychologist, a psychology major. She got her uh, bachelor's and master's in psychology. So I grew up with a therapist, essentially. Good for you. Oh, yeah. she. But those are a lot of tools that she would say. And, and it's so great to hear them echoed because this is mental health and just learning how to deal with yourself and being who you are is like the biggest job we'll probably ever have in our lives. And it's the one job most of us neglect. And so the fact that you take the time to do that, it, a lot of people see it as a waste of time, but the, the life you're manifesting for yourself, both through your positive affirmations, your, the positive outlook you have on your life, it also manifests in your action. Yeah. And we think that action comes from nowhere, but it always starts here. Always starts from where you are and how you feel about yourself. And it's it's just a lesson that I keep forgetting and keep relearning. And I'm I'm thankful to have had this conversation because like I'm relearning it right now because I just did a crazy day yesterday where I just was more productive than I've been in like months and it feels good. And it was mostly because like I was kind to myself and I was encouraging myself. So. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Enough about me. I'm really curious because like we haven't really covered many of your amazing accomplishments accomplishments. One thing that through learning more about you without you being present (laughs) is that like you began a lot of your career while you were in school. And not only were you in school double majoring in cello and piano, uh, also being one of the first musicians ever to do that from USC. But you were you had you said there were talent agents that came to the school and would hire you for gigs. In it in as much detail as you can, can you describe the strangest gig you had when you were starting out? <laughs> huh. Wow. I got to think about that. There's so many. <laughs> That's literally what Daniel said. <laughs> was like, I, so many. I feel like I block it out. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Can I add a little lemon pepper spice to it and maybe make it a little easier. Yeah. Is there one that stands out in your mind that as we're like a a freelancer trying to start out, it's kind of like we're trying to take off in a plane, right? Trying to get wind under the wings. Mm -hmm. 
Oftentimes we run as fast as we can. And there's that one gig that finally lifts us off. Was there a gig that like exponentially moved you? Yes, actually it would be the Celine gig. But also there was a really big lesson right in the beginning of this career too. Mm. I had obviously after the audition, I had gotten it and we started the residency. I, I joined the residency for a month and a half. And I had announced to all my friends and everybody in LA that, hi, I got the biggest job of my life. I thought I was just going to fly away and be happily ever after. <laughs> Little did I know, a month and a half later, Celine Dion called off the residency indefinitely because she, her husband had throat cancer coming back. And it was pretty serious and she then called off the residency because she wanted to be with her husband which is understandable understandable and i totally support that but being this young girl that thinks that i was gonna be set for the rest of my life because of this big gig i landed i've had to learn that nothing is gonna last you never know about your tomorrow so always have that mindset of not settle and not just being comfortable. And I think that's also my biggest lesson of that one gig that taught you to, yeah, do not. So what did you, what did you do? Because you, you, you were like, you let people know that you're moving in Las Vegas, that you're, did that hurt, you know, your presence in Los Angeles and how did you kind of like rebuild? Yeah, from there. I I didn't move to Las Vegas, by the way. Oh, you didn't? I, no, no, no. I for, with the Celine residency, it was really nice because the musicians from out of town, you're put in into a hotel for two weeks, and then in between, you, you're free to just go back to LA and do gigs. So it's basically two weeks at a time, okay. and then we'll be back in mm-hmm. LA for two weeks. So I was able to live this by coastal by Vegas to life. <laughs> yeah. it's, um, it's like by coastal. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that allowed me to still have a career in LA along the t- uh, this whole journey. Honestly, I have to thank my friends in town. It's every time I'm back, I would text like my really good friend, Irina, who's also a cellist. That was, on the, oh, I love was her. Irina Turkova. She is my yeah, angel. Yeah. I had, she meeting her, is literally probably the biggest gift of my career. I have met her for a month and a half on this residency. She has been on the residency with Celine Dion for probably three years at this time. And mm-hmm. I was a new addition because when the cellist left and I got the job and got to know her. And when the residency was paused indefinitely, I was just sitting at home. I found myself just sitting at home, not knowing, back in LA, not having a job again. And Irina was the one that recommended me, introduced me to people and was like, Judy Kane is a great cellist and I want you to be able to work with her. So I think because of her, I was able to meet a lot of people, more people in LA. And I think it's very important to have, to surround yourself with people like that. And she, along the way, has really pushed me and helped me. And I'm forever grateful for the musicians along my side. You take care of each other. You then help them back. I will 
always refer her as like the best cellist student in town. And I think I think that's a good tip to being a musician and having friends and recommend each other and help each other and watch each other's like we got each other's back. So that's one of the biggest tips. Yeah. That's such a key point. We had just done like two specific episodes about like essential social skills for musicians. Yeah. And because it's something we don't that's not talked about. Being able to hit that one arpeggio is probably less significant than learning how to talk <laughs> to someone. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and to be and to provide value to someone, to be able to move your career and just form relationships and surround yourself by awesome people. And then in turn you become that awesome person who they want to surround themselves with. It's it's such a wonderful thing. I'm speaking of interesting people and interesting types of things. So in the line of work in the career you formed, unlike some kind of traditional orchestral route where we, there's conductors and there's the orchestral librarian, when you're jumping into the pop world or performing residencies in Vegas and doing remote sessions, you, you're interacting with all these different types of roles uh, and types of people that we would never bump into ordinarily. So could you just briefly describe maybe what exactly a music director is for an artist and, and how you interact with them? Mm. Music director is somebody that arranges and I guess takes care of all kinds of music aspect for this artist stuff from string arrangements or directing the rehearsals or being the conductors on stage it's basically who you look to for any kind of directions. So that's probably the most important person to know on stage. Yeah, like our MD at Celine is this guy that just just knows everything and writes everything and it can do anything. So somebody I, I totally respect, Scott. So that's what an MD is. How do you interface? This is something that's like such a weird subject when when you when you're dealing with people in positions of power and you want to develop relationships with them without trying to come across with ulterior motive how did you gen- how do you personally genuinely build relationships with people who are music directors who have influence contractors do you i'm sure you're not like 2 a.m. texting them, hey, when's your next gig? I want to play. <laughs> so how do you like interface with them in a friendly way that isn't like creepy? Huh. I don't. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> I don't. I was hoping you'd say that, right? Yeah. yeah, why not? Why don't why don't you? I feel I'm confident with the way I play the cello and just me being myself and showing up to the job professionally and letting my music speak for myself and always have a smile and positive attitude. I don't really, if you want to work with me, I'm so honored, but if not, I'm not going to try harder and try to be your friend or let's say kiss your ass about anything. I feel like that can get you job temporarily, but certainly not going to last a lifelong you know, time. So that's just me, myself, and my strategy. <laughs> I agree. Thank you. Yeah, you do the same thing, Drew. You you said it all, though, Judy, because like at the end of the day, people can tell when you're trying to strategically befriend them. 
Yeah. Yeah, I can tell myself. Some people Always. are just reaching out and I can tell if they're genuine or not. And I'm not going to say I've never tried it. You always know who's the more important. Yeah. And eventually you realize that people know if you know what your motives are and might as well just let yourself, your genuine music, your personality shine and they'll see it. They'll see it. So that's something I've learned in LA. (laughs) It's an LA lesson to learn. Yeah. It's an LA lesson to learn. Yeah. And that's a very important skill to, to know. Mm-hmm. to be able to live in LA. One thing that I've noticed, I've said it a lot on on the podcast before, but I'm curious if this kind of rings some bells in your brain. I've found that when you are too busy making your own ish, like making your own music, doing your own arrangements, just working on yourself, people tend to pay attention and be like, hey, actually, I see you can do that thing. Can you do it for me? <laughs> Yes. Do you do you ever feel like that is a thing? Exactly. Yeah. Just focus on what you love to do and what you want to do. I I actually during the pandemic I was like, oh, I'm gonna just record some of my own arrangements or remote and just do a video. And I wanted to learn how to do that. And somebody actually contacted and was like, I want to record that. I want. I'm interested in doing collaborating with you or having you record a song for me stuff like that and people see that you're actually enjoying what you're doing is more attractive than you selling a product to them yeah that's such a great point and definitely in this social media age like i just found myself i've like barely posted up about what i've done for four or five years and we had one on one of our guests who's well known in like the dance music world jerome begin teaches dance composition at Juilliard. Delightful person, but he had that realization himself. So I'm 40 and like no one knows my music. No one knows I've done anything because he was constantly doing super dope stuff. Didn't happen. If you do dope stuff in the woods and nobody's around to see it, did you actually do dope stuff? But like they're letting you, I think it's an important part that we kind of ignore. Some people look at, oh, they're always posting and blah, 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 blah. Like just getting like jealous, jealous. But uh, like when I let people know that I'm doing something and not about, hey, come check out my most recent thing, but just that I'm doing things. Suddenly people appear out of the word work. Wow, you're doing this pocket. Wow, you're, oh, that's interested. You're interested in this thing. And that's who we gravitate toward. Plus another fact, there's some old phrase that goes along this lines is if you want something done, you go to the busy person because they know how to get it done. That's who we're looking out for. And I just find myself doing that. And and yet I don't hold myself to that standard. Like I'm not posting about it, but yet I go to all these people. Oh yeah, of course I'm going to go to Sarah. She's always, she's like kicking ass and doing cool stuff. And then I don't let anyone know what I'm up to. So it is, it's, it's a funny reminder and it really does stand true. You're doing all these awesome things. You're self-recording, you're running a condo, like you're, you're traveling. Like everyone who wants to do that knows you're doing it and they want to be a part of that and to hop on the Judy Kang train. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So I'm curious, Judy Kang, we're, we're kind of like getting towards the end of our conversation, but I'm really curious as to now that we've like zoomed back, we've looked at a little bit of your origin story. We've, we've, we've learned about some of the trials and tribulations you've gone through, some of the realizations, some of the development and growth you've had during the Panny D, as Daniel calls it. <laughs> Panny D. 
Panny D. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Panny D. Are there any? Do you have? What are some goals you have for yourself now? Would you be willing to share some like things you're looking to kind of like achieve in the next, you know, twenty four, thirty six, forty eight months? Yeah, I would like to have the freedom, whether it's financially or mentally, to only welcome back the things that I would like to do. Stuff like remote session from home, whether it's wearing my pajamas or. <laughs> so, I have a joke. I cool. sometimes. <laughs> You, you can tell you're fine. I just want to wear pajamas. Let's I don't right. even wear anything. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I charge more for it because. <laughs> yeah. You'd blow up on Twitch. You'd blow up on Twitch. I probably would. Um, but You'd blow up. Yeah. That, that would be my last resort. <laughs> I will let my cello speak. Yeah, and then to be able to just um, choose what I would love to do. Let's say if I go back on tour with Celine or go back to Vegas. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy it with every single bit of my heart, my soul, and live in the present and um, be back home and be able to choose what's more of a priority for me. Yeah, in 20 years, I would like to have maybe my own company of entertainment or my own remote session company, whatever it is to allow me to focus on the things I discover that I love and I could be more there for my family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and my loved ones, yes. Incredible. Yeah, thank you so much. I want to say, um, my English is not my first language, so a lot of times I would get lost in my words, and I, I don't have the perfect uh, vocabulary for it. So I hope you guys can help me with that. I had no idea. Incredible. Uh, Other than reading, it was one of your interviews, you said you moved to the States, and then you started learning English. I've never been able to tell. Thank you have you. a great facility of the language. So. And plus, I only great. know English, and that's, <laughs> and that's embarrassing because I barely, I barely can Aww. make it happen. So <laughs> anyone who can speak more than one language is just it's an, instant, it's an instant win in my book. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Daniel, Daniel is logged in under, under, under my account. I should, I should finally switch it so that there's not two, two Trevors. Two right. Trevors in the room. Yeah. Yeah, so – Thank you guys. It's been a very fun time. Thanks for thanks for coming on, and I would love to bring you back on when you go on tour with Celine again yeah. and bring some stories and, and of the road. That would be really fun. And you're running so a remote gotta, business. Yeah, yeah. You you're running like a remote session business. It. Oh yeah, <laughs> let, let us know how it goes. <laughs> yes, I will. Hopefully, everything is going to go you know smoothly and not be canceled because of uh, yeah. Delta, Delta. Oh, yeah. Delta. Yeah, Del- Delta D. Yeah, Delta D. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. man. Delta D. Oh, but thanks again. It was, yeah. it was an absolute pleasure. And thank you, guys. Until next time. Yeah, until next time. Nothing but love and, and the best. And, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thank you.